Take a minute. Test, test. All right. Test. A little louder. A little more. Can I get more? I got to hear myself. A little more. People know me know that's an inside joke. I got to hear myself. A little more. Okay. Good. Well, it's going to be quick. I got 10 minutes according to this paper. So, right, sit down, put your seatbelt on, and we're going to go. I'm creating like a little podium here. A second, I got this. I'll get it together. Amen. All right, there you go. There you go, G. All right, well, uh, let's get started. And uh, I just want to say that I... It's been such a mixed emotional week, mixed emotional day, just been sensing just the, the heaviness within our hearts, but I think it's attached to what's been happening uh, in our nation, but at the same time, it, I also believe that there's just a, a lot of activity going on within the lives of, of all of us, right? I mean, the summer kicks in, and I don't know what it is about July, but it almost feels like the fireworks blow off on July 4th, and all of a sudden... Everybody's, you know, racing to their plans, vacations, all kinds of other things. And uh, we start to realize that back to school is going to happen, right? And in August, some of the kids are going back to school, and parents are so happy about that. Um, kids are not. But it's just, a, a, I think, a transitional point in the summer of July, and I'm just sensing that today. And God is faithful, amen, because it just you saw today and what we witnessed during worship uh, Today, really, the Holy Spirit and uh, the people of God just exalting Jesus and the work of the gospel that his father had uh, displayed for all of us to have an opportunity to be reconnected to him. Amen. And so what I'm going to do is just try to elaborate more on the series that we're all part of uh, together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you guys were here... uh, Last week, we're taking a break from the book of Mark, and we're going to a new series, and it's called One Anothering, right? One ano- I got to keep saying that, One Anothering, and I know that Eric created that word, and that's okay, because Eric can do those kind of things. Um, so I'm just going off of that, and uh, Jeremy did a great job last week uh, just sharing with us about how we build one another up. And today I get the privilege to be able to speak to you about how we are to embrace one another. And then next week we'll be moving on to how we love one another and how we forgive one another. So at this time, open up your Bible to the book of Romans, chapter 15, and we will be reading from 5 through 7. Romans 15, 5 through 7. So. Uh, this keeps going in and out. Piece of battery, I'm thinking it's me. Keep looking. Romans 15, 5 to 7. There you go. There's an analogy there, right? In order to stay consistent, you need to stay connected to the source. Amen? None of this false battery stuff. Amen. I, this is all planned. Thank you, Cynthia. Romans 15, 5 through 7. Let's read it together. This is Paul. And he says that 
May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, verse 7, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Here we see Paul is addressing believers in Rome. And in chapter 14, there was a disagreement. There was a couple of things that they were disagreeing on. One of them was food. You guys know I eat everything, so I don't care what you cook. It's, there's no problem with me, no allergies or anything like that. Just invite me over. But they were having these debates. They were going back and forth. They were having this division. And then Paul starts to address, even then in himself, what he does to win over a brother in the Lord or to win over people uh, for the kingdom of God and what he becomes. And yet we see in 15, he starts to address the stronger believers and the weaker believers. And he's doing this because there comes a time where even us that have been, I guess, walking with God for a while, we pick up habits that we tend to give over to the weaker believers, the new ones. And it's something that he right away wants to address and put a stop to that. So if you go backwards a little bit, Romans 15, verse 1. And you start to see that Paul right away says that in verse 1, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Not to please ourselves. Who are the strong that Paul is talking about here? People like Lou? Right? Look at Lou, you think, well, that's strong. You know? What he's talking about are people that have a fuller knowledge of how we live as Christians. And the weak are those that are new believers that still don't have a full knowledge of how to live as Christians. And what he's saying is to bear with them for a moment here. Because like Jeremy was saying, like Lamadi was, was, was saying earlier, is that we are broken people, right? And so we need to embrace one another in that brokenness as Christ has embraced us. And the truth be told is that we start to realize that when you're not being embraced, you don't want to be around. Embrace means uh, like an, a joyful welcoming in a sense. One that is actively in a sense uh, uh, get leading away for someone to uh, come on board or, or to be part of. So you're embracing them and all that they have and all of their stuff and all their kids, Right? Not just the singles and all their kids, and you're embracing them as your own. And here we saw that the Christians at the time of Rome were not embracing each other. The Jewish Christians and the Gentiles were not embracing each other. There was division there. And so Paul is saying, no, we, we, we as stronger believers must embrace their weaker ones. And in doing that... We build a kingdom of God. So what we see here, though, is, again, 
Paul addressing the stronger ones. I'm not going to point out people who are stronger and they're weaker ones. And he says that do not please yourselves. Don't just live for you. It's easy that after you walk with God that you just kind of attach him to the way you live and you just live for yourself. You go after the same dreams as everybody else does. It's all about you, yourself, your family, and everything else. And then you just, you, you have to really line up your schedule with the church's schedule in order for you to be part of it. And he's telling stronger believers, that's not the way it goes. That's not the way it goes. You don't live for yourself. Christ didn't live for himself. I mean, he came, what, to do the will of his father. And so we take on that manner as well. Just the other day, you know, I was at the, the dentist. Those that have been around for a while know that when you say dentist, it's not always a good thing. And so I, I, I go into the dentist. Uh, thank you for the referral, uh, Cuevas family. We go into the dentist, and as I'm there, I'm just like, you know, fooling around with people, cracking jokes and all that kind of stuff. And then they, they lay me down on this uh, chair, and they start to put your mouth in certain positions to take pictures, you know. They want you to, like, bite on this, and you're, like, holding it, like, a weird look. And you're hoping that nobody's videoing this because you put these faces that are just, like, probably hysterical. And I'm just very uncomfortable. And the, and the lady's like, what's, what's going on? I said, well, you, you might as well you just see me naked because when you're looking at my mouth, you're looking at an area that nobody else sees. And you really see how messed up I am. And so I'm just thinking, okay, well, things are fine. And she calls another lady in, and they start putting that, you know, the light in your mouth. And then you can't even see what's going on. And they got it open, and they're talking. And she starts throwing off numbers, 33, 5, 22, this and that. And I'm just like, like, what's going on? Right? And then she starts saying words like root canal. I'm like, root canal, that doesn't sound good. And I'm like, what's that? And she's like, well, you got some problems. I'm like, I see. All those numbers you're throwing around, I'm thinking, I'm hoping it's not dollars, but she's just throwing these numbers down, and she started saying, well, you're going to need some work. You have, you know, this is right here, uh, infected, uh, this cavity's here and up, and up here, and I'm just like, I, I, she was, do you have any pain? I'm like, not, not really. Like, with all that you said, I'm thinking, like, I should be, like, hurting, like, seriously hurting. She goes, what do you want to do? I want to fix it. What we, fix whatever you got to fix. And she's like, we're going to start with this side, and they start stabbing your mouth with shots. You know, do you feel that? I think so. I don't know. What am I supposed to feel? And so what we don't realize is that we don't realize how broken we are when we come face to face with the true Dennis. That's Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit starts doing a work within you, you start to realize, man, I'm more messed up than the people that I know. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll be, man, I'm very deceitful within myself more than, than the thief. And if you're honest with yourself, you would say, I probably shoot more people than they shot cops. With my own heart of grudgingness, of anger, of bitterness, of anxiety, of all kinds of other things, I'm more so wicked than the people that we portray as wicked in the world. Because finally somebody placed the light within the heart to show the trueness of who you are. And like Jeremy said, that's why the gospel is for everybody. Because nobody can ever say, I'm not that bad. You're worse. Be honest with yourself. You're worse. You want to about, you want to about, I love about my DNA group is that... My DNA group is here, so look at that, guys. <laughs> I, I can say, is, I'm honest, right? We're very honest. We're very honest. We see each other. I mean, the first time was like a date, you know. Darren brought like brownies and, you know, we're eating brownies and, and milk. And we're just looking at each other. Like, yeah, looking out good. Opening up the word together. That's cool. You know, figuring out who we are. But now there's just this rhythm now where you're like, okay, let's get into 
us. Let's get into us right now, and let's be honest with each other, because we're not here to embrace falsehood. We're here to embrace truth, and the truth is we need each other. We need Christ. We need the power of God. We need the word of God. We need the body of Christ to move forward in life effectively with purpose, with joy, with hope, with strength, with endurance. Amen? And if you're not experiencing that DNA, you should probably join mine then because we're, we're just like lit. Right, guys? I'm just promoting us over there. It's not really like, like, like that. Don't forget the brownies next time. I was really looking forward to those. So Paul now, again, verse 1, he's addressing the strong and the weak. And he says how we're not to live for ourselves and, and, and to be patient with them, uh, the, the new ones and, and the ones that, that, that have still these, these areas of their life that are, are not fixed. Or let's say fixed, but they're just not, not dealt with yet. Right? And in verse 2, he says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Who's your neighbor? The person next to you. That's your neighbor. Did you know that? You think that it's the person that lives in the apartment next to you or in the house next to you. No, it's the one in the cubicle next to you. It's the one that's in the, in the position next to you in the desk next to you at, at school. It's the one that does live next to you. And when you start to realize that you're going to be taking residency someplace, you start understanding that it's important who your neighbors are. Right? And as, there's a difference, too, because when you rent... You can actually deal with them for a season and say, you know what, I'm going to look for another apartment, I'm out. But when you buy a house and you got to sell your house in order to get away from everybody, there's a longer process of enduring with the people that you got to deal with that live next to you. Amen? You got to deal with the parties that they have every single weekend. You got to deal with the dogs that they let use the bathroom on your lawn. You got to deal with all of the noise that the guy wants to play in his, in his garage, uh, you know, at five in the morning or six in the morning. You, those are things that you got to have to ask God, how can this make sense? What can I do to be missional to embrace these people where I don't want to constantly call the cops on them because, I, you know, we're called to what? Build each other up. He says that let us, each of us please his neighbor for his good to build them up. Verse 3, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Christ came to do the will of his Father and not his own. John 4, 34. Jesus bore all. How many? All of our sins on the cross. And in verse 4, for whatever was written in former days, meaning the Old Testament, was written for our what? Instruction. The word of God is to instruct us that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Let me tell you, there is no other hope in anything else other than Christ. And we were just talking about that today as we're thinking about all the things that are happening right now. And it's a terrible loss to find people that are going to be sleeping without their dad because he's been shot wrongfully. Whether he was the cop or the one that was the pedestrian, it's still wrong. But the only hope that everyone that calls himself a professing believer, when you lay your head on the, on the bed, you should fall asleep with no worries. Because you have hope in Christ. You have hope in him and him alone. And you know what? He's proven. Right? It's not that he's like throwing out a political game here. He's proven that he has defeated death. 
And if that's not the biggest worry of all, I don't know what is, but he's defeated death, he's resurrected, and now he's not only done that, but done it for you. And in doing that, now you have what? Everlasting life. But we're not to live here all moping and doping, right? We're going to talk about that because we now as a body, okay, we got to embrace each other. God wants us to embrace one another. God wants us to say no matter what you have or what's going on in your life or, or how you smell or what you look like, I'm going to embrace you as my own because you are now a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord. Amen? And so how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, Paul continues on as, as we read on that in chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 5, which is where we started off with. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be out of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. How are you doing with that, guys, ladies, men? How are you dealing with each other? Are you annoyed by your brother or sister in the faith? Are you annoyed by your kids? Are you annoyed by your spouse? Are you getting fed up with all the, the issues that everybody else has and that you feel like you're part of now? Are you ready to leave and, and run away from this place where you don't have to deal with anyone else but yourself? Are you looking for another church because you don't want to deal with anything else? That place doesn't exist because no matter where you go, there you are. Amen? And no matter where you, where, where, wherever you are, somebody else is too. Where you buy your milk from? The guy at the store. Where you pump your gas at? The guy at the gas station. So no matter where you go, there you are and there's somebody else there. So the answer really is stop running. Because we as believers, we are not to run, but we are to head on this turmoil face on and embrace it, embrace one another. And how do we embrace one another? By embracing the gospel together. That's the first point. Embracing the gospel together. I love that at the brook, and I just got to say this, because this is my church, but my home church, but at the brook, we embrace the gospel. And you may say, like, why do we always talk about the gospel? We even say that word. Why do we, I never see any gospel choir here. No, I mean, what, what, why do we always say that? Well, because we need to be reminded of the power of the gospel. We need to be reminded that that's the only reason why that we're here together. Yeah, I know some of you guys were dragged in here by your parents or, you know, you're dragged in here by so-and-so. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're here because of what Christ has done for us, and that's it. There's a lot of other things that you can be doing today, right? Watering your grass, eating, watching TV, all these productive things, Right? Right? No, but we're here because of what Christ has done for us. Amen? And we're going to embrace one another and we're going to move forward with one another. Remember that embracing means to accept one another willingly and gladly. When we embrace the gospel together, we both, the stronger and the weaker believer, understand that neither of us could have saved ourselves. Jesus' example of self-sacrifice and love places us in a state of what? Gratefulness. Gratefulness. I know there was a parenting class yesterday. I didn't get a chance to go, and I'm sorry. But I will say this, is that the gospel is needed even in parenting. To understand that that young, wicked teenager has been saved by grace. 
as Christ saved you, you know, and dealt with you, you need to do the same thing with them. Or when they're young and, you know, the toddlers, little ones that they just don't pay attention or listen at all, they get into trouble. You're like, Lord, give me the strength. As you dealt with me, help me to deal with them. And you pass along the gospel. And your kids don't even realize is that you would, you're still alive because of the gospel right now. Because I really want to just strangle you right now, you know. And so this is just, so you get the instructional teaching through the, through, the, through the word of God, like how to deal with them, how to deal with the struggles of them and, and the rebellion, you know. It was once said that, um, well, what is it, that God created, this is what kids, he says, God created an image of you that will rebel against you. And that's exactly what we are. We are created in his image and yet we rebel against him. It's almost like God's like, payback, I gotcha. Right? It's a blessing, but you now see the scriptures in a different way. Right? And so, again, we en- embrace one another by embracing the gospel together. We embrace one another by enduring together. We're almost there, guys. Stay with me. We're enduring together. Verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Endurance. Endurance means the quality of continuing for a long time. Another meaning is the ability to deal with pain or suffering that continues for a long time. So we have a God who has the quality of continuing and being patient with you while you are in your struggle, while you are in your suffering, while you are in your rebellion. He's in it for the long haul. Amen to that. Say amen to that. Hallelujah. So how many of us are dealing with a difficult situation this morning? Don't raise your hand. How many of us are dealing with pain? Your body is starting to get to a place where it's hurting you now to even function. How many of us are having difficulty in our home, whether it's with our children or with our spouse? How many of us have already physical challenges? How many of us are worrying about grandchildren or, or family or the economy or, or the, the nation? You're dealing with your past, and it just kind of always surfaces itself up every day, and it keeps you in a place of, of condemnation. Well, brothers and sisters, it's a great thing to have a God that knows about suffering, knows about pain. Emotionally and physically. Because Jesus endured betrayal, right? He endured beating. He endured false witnesses against him. How many of you guys witnessed that? People talking lies about you. He witnessed the walk to the cross. How about that one? Not only was he going to be placed on the cross, he had to carry his own cross and walk there. And yet he also endured the pain of the cross. You have a God that even in the midst of whatever you're going through today, he understands your pain and your suffering. And he knows how to continue on for a long time as he is with you and he loves you. The Greeks had a race in their Olympic Games that was unique. The winner was not the runner who finished first. It was the runner who finished with his torch still lit. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up 
on the people that God has placed in your life. Don't give up on the ones you love. Stay in intercession for them. Stay and pray for them. You know, there was a time in high school, a long time ago, that I had tried out for the track team, and I didn't want to go. I was already wrestling, and I thought that was enough. But my sister encouraged me to come on the track team with her, and she's a great, my sister's a great athlete. So I'm like, okay, I'll go. And I thought I was fast, you know. I was one of the fastest guys in the neighborhood. I just told the quarterback, throw the ball, I'll get it. I don't care where it's at, throw it. I'll run and catch it, right? So as soon as I get there, I find out right away that I don't have the right shoes that everybody else has. I got these mid-top air flights, and I'm just like, you know, in just regular shorts and a shirt. These guys are like in this flimsy-looking short. They got little low-cut shoes. And everybody's like on the floor just stretching. So I just, okay, well, I'll start to stretch. I just start doing, you know, weird stuff, looking at them like that, like this, you know. So I'm going like, like that, getting in there. And, then, and I'm done. Like in a couple minutes, I'm done. They're still stretching. And I'm just like, man, what is it? Are they just killing time? So then the coach comes and he's like, okay, we're going to start off with a couple 200-meter runs, which is half the distance around. And he's like, Navarro. I'm like, yeah, yeah, coach. He's like, go ahead and, and let's see what you got. So everybody has a little spot. So I'm thinking, why is everybody not at the same line? If you ever ran track, there's like different slots, right? One is positioned here. One is positioned a little bit further up. Then another further up. Because as you're running around, one is the same distance. So I'm trying to look for my, my spot that nobody can tell. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And when I find it, they're all on the floor, you know, like, It's ready to go. Coach fires off a blank. You know, it's, a, it's not a real, it's a real gun. It's just a, a blank. And I start running. Man, I'm gone. My heart's racing because I don't even know where I'm running to. I'm just running until, like, we all stop. And I'm just, like, flying. I start feeling like my toes. You ever run so fast where you're not even running on your heel? You're running, like, on your toes. I'm just, like, ah, ah. I'm just destructing it. Ah. Then all of a sudden, I, I experience, as we start turning the side, that I'm winning. I'm blowing these guys out the box. Like, they're, like, further behind me. And so then what happens is my heart starts, like, it's punching my chest. Boom, 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 boom. It starts just like, if, it's like, a, like, a, like a car's knocking. You ever been in a car where the engine starts knocking? Something's wrong? It's like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm just like, what's going on? And I'm figuring that my body starts tightening up. And I start, like, slowing down. And everything in me is telling myself, go, go. But my body's saying, stop, stop. And then all of a sudden, the other three just fly right past me. And I just can't even go no more. And I fall to the floor because my, my body cramps up. My heart feels like it's going to just die. And I look and I see my sister looking at me just like shaking her head. And I'm just like, ah, ah. And I'm just like screaming. I'm like, it hurts. You know, it hurts. And my feet are burning and everything. And I just can't even. So they just lay me there. They drag me off to the side because they got to continue on with the practice. You know, and then I'm just laying there. And I'm like, what happened? And what had happened is. Nobody took me by the hand to show me that I need to pace myself. Nobody told me that what I needed to do was first understand what we're going for. Nobody told me what the prize was. Nobody told me how fast you run. 
Nobody, nobody, nobody showed me any of those things. I just assumed and jumped in and kind of found my way around. The sad part about that is that there's a truth, even in the faith today, that if you get hooked up with people of God that automatically want you to race to the Lord, and they start telling you, you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you should be doing this, and you should be doing that, they're actually about to kill you pretty, pretty much. They're going to cause you to burn yourself out. They're going to cause you to hurt yourself. They're going to cause you to maybe fail others that are depending on you because you can't even uphold the pace that you're going. And the, 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 what Paul is saying here is that don't put those things on these younger believers. Because and somehow it's like we just always feel like where we're at, everybody else should be there. And we have to understand that God gave us grace. God put us through a process. God put us through a system that works. And we don't need to rewrite it. And us as newer believers should be taking on a a place of saying, hey, that guy right there, he's got a good pace. Or that sister right there has a good pace. Let Let me partner with them and see how I can run this race in a manner that's truthful, number one, biblical, but at the same time that I can... Get to a place of where you're at. You want to know what it is about when we go through something? We think that we're the only ones that ever went through it. <laughs> right? Oh, I'm the only person that's ever going. I must be. And it's like, been there, done that. Got the shirt. Right? And we, 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 I was just sharing with my, my wife. It's like, there's, I heard this before. It's like a, when you talk to younger people, it's, it's like you're saying, you know, I was once you but you are never me. Do you understand what I'm saying? I was once you, I've been in your shoes, been there at that age, been there in that situation, been there in that circumstance, but you ain't never been in my shoes. Right? And they actually think you were never young. You just born out of the, out of the womb, old. Right? Born out of the womb already like married. You just been married all your life. You know? You always had a house. You always had a car. You always had this. You always had that. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Far be it from the truth. But they will never understand what you're going through because they're not you. They're not there. There's a, something about age that as you get older, you start to look back and you can tell that we are not so far off from cavemen. That, yes, we do the same things that the people did 10 years before that did. Yeah, it takes on a new look through the whatever, Internet and all that kind of stuff. But it's still the same old wretched sinners that are trying to be God and trying to figure things out on their own. Right? Well, praise God. If you have somebody in your life that's older than you, loves the Lord, is walking with the Lord, that's a blessing from God right there. That's a blessing from God. Because that's, amen, clap to that. That's a blessing from God. You have more than you actually think you have with just having those type of people around. And praise God that we have a lot of those people here at the brook. There's a great mix of young and old, which we're very grateful for. Amen. We embrace one another by embracing the gospel together. We embrace one another by enduring together. We embrace one another by encouraging one another. Verse 5, may the God of endurance, again, back to the same verse, and encouragement grant you to live in such a harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Encouragement is something that makes someone more determined, hopeful, or confident to do something. Encouragement means someone or something 
to make somebody, oh, I'm sorry, to make someone or something more determined, hopeful, or confident to do something. It's almost as if you're strengthening them to do something that they should be doing. Amen? William Ward writes that, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. But encourage me and I will not forget you. C.S. Lewis encouraged Tolkien to finish The Lord of the Rings. I mean, people love that. That was great, right? He needed an encouragement to finish that off. And so there's, there's going to be, period. If you're living, there's going to be times, a lot of times, where you're going to need encouragement. And how do you encourage one another? Well, give somebody a word. How about that one? How about a timely word? It says in Proverbs, when you give a timely word, it's like, like man, I just needed that. To, to go forward. An act of service, right? Somebody needs help moving or something. Somebody always needs help moving, right? Somebody helps it moving, right? Help them out, right? Worship team, like how do they encourage us? Not just by singing, but practicing, right? Practice and being here like at 8 o'clock. Amen, Jeremiah? Being here early in the morning, right? They're encouraging us. How about people that clean the church so we don't have to sit in the mess from last week? That's encouraging the body of Christ. Don't, don't devalue the power of encouragement because it's not up here. Don't devalue that. There's, this is 1%. 1% of what happens in all of us here. How about calling somebody up? How you doing, man? How you doing, sister? Just thinking about you. What's going on? How you been? Right. How about financial contribution? Hey, 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 hey. Love that one, right? Hey. A car with a little money in it. Praise, that's right, <laughs> right? How about a, t- a plate of food? That encourages, that always encourages, right? How about a nice dip in the pool? That encourages, right? And a hot day, that encourages. I mean, there's so many ways. And, and what's, the, what's the, the trigger of that? To stop thinking about yourself and including others in life and say, man, I, I can, how can I help or how can I encourage others to do the same? And let me tell you, when you're encouraged, it's like, pfft, it's something. I remember uh, early on in, in, our, uh, in our walk with God, and me and Marty were part of a, a youth program that we were heading up. And we went from like seven kids to like over 50 kids. But seven to 50 kids that were all from no dads at home pretty much, didn't have cars. We were in a straight-up hood where they were, like, shooting people outside, and then we had blue cameras everywhere, one of those kind of places. And you know that these young people came on the bus, I'll be so worried. And I had to pick them up. They came on the bus, went home on the bus. But I was saying, no, let me drive you home. You know, whoever's on youth ministry knows you'd be driving for hours by the time you get home, right? And so they did that. You want to know why? Because me, one of the things me and Marty did where we said we're going to be determined to be the voice of encouragement in their life. And so when they came in, all we would do was just like shout. You know, they always have little faces, and we just feed them with encouragement, speaking to their lives and hugging them and just like high fiving them. And it was contagious. Sometimes we, we walk here, we're just like, somebody better jumpstart me today, right? Or even at home. How's your home? Is it depressing there? No, there should be excitement, right? When I get home, I'm like, I made it. Because that's like, when I left, I'm like, I just can't wait to get back. And then when I get home, I'm like, I made it. Oh, praise God. Right? Your home, it should be a place of encouragement. 
The, ho- the house of God should be a place of encouragement that we can what continue on because this is hard. It's hard to deal with one another. It's hard to live with one another. It's hard being married to this person. It's hard having. It's hard living in Chicago. It's hard. Give me some encouragement. And how do we encourage? I gave you some examples. I gave you some examples. And, and in 1 Thessalonians, he says that uh, 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We should be doing this. We need to encourage one another to continue on in the faith because it builds us up. Like Jeremy said, don't tear each other down. Build, build each other up. Romans 15.5.7, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. These are the results. Harmony. Harmony. Harmony is a combination. I know the people on the worship team know this. Harmony, those other people know this too. Harmony is a combination of different musical notes played or sung at the same time to produce a pleasing sound. If you ever try to sing harmony, you know that it's not as easy as it looks. And when, you're, when it's not on, it's really not on. It's off. You're like clashing each other's vocals, you know. And here uh, we see uh, that in the pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer says that has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in a heart nearer to each other than they could possibly ever be, where they become unity, consciousness, and turn their eyes from God to strive to a closer fellowship. Without our hearts and minds conformed to the image of Christ, we will self-destruct as a church. We will self-destruct as a family. The standard, the tuning fork is... God. His word is the instruction. So right, when things ain't going well, out of tune. We're living on a different standard. It's not working. Why? Because you're out of tune. Submit, bow to the standard of Christ. See, on Sundays, there's a, there's a thing that we call breakthrough in worship. And it has nothing to do, although it's good, but it has nothing to do with how much you practice, how much technique you have. How much, how much even fasting you've done. Because what really what happens is when they have breakthrough is when all the believers at one time start believing what they're singing. And in that, agree on what they're singing. And so what we experience there is a, is a harmony that we're going to be experiencing in heaven. And we don't get that every single Sunday, but we get that sometimes. Those are little glimpses of things that are about to come. Amen? Those are things to look forward to. And when those moments happen, I'm so grateful because... Sometimes we're in a place that we just need that to kind of push us through for the next time. Amen? Verse 6. So why do we embrace? Why do we endure? Why do we encourage? So that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. John Rusley wrote that I want the whole Christ for my Savior. The whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field. When we are unified, we are able to accomplish more. When we are unified, we are able to have more of an effective witness on our community and on the people in our sphere of influence. When we are in unity, 
we are representing Jesus' followers. Because even Jesus said that they will know you are my disciples by the love you have for what? One another. One another. Verse 7, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Next time we have an opportunity to welcome each other, man, let's see it as an opportunity to welcome each other and embrace each other, give a hug to each other, high five, whatever. You know, I don't know how some people are about germs and everything, you know. But, I mean, use that opportunity not to just be like, hey, what up, you know, but just like, man, it's so good that you're here in the house of God. It's so good to see you again here on Sunday. It's so good that you're part of the mission that we're doing here at uh, not just Belmont Cragen. We talked about Montclair, uh, Dunning. We're, we're taking, I see a lot happening with the brook. I see a lot happening. In closing, back in 1981, Buddy Ryan, who passed away a few weeks ago at the age of 82, was a defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. That year, the owner, George Hallis, fired the head coach, Neil Armstrong. And many assumed that Ryan would follow him on the way out. Because that's normally how it happens, right? Fire the head coach, you fire everybody. But the Bears' defensive players stood up for Ryan. And they wrote a letter to Hallis asking him to keep Ryan. And to maybe even have him considered as a head coach. Hallis listened, and while he still brought in Coach Mike Dicka to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears, he kept Buddy Ryan in position to be the defensive coordinator. Four years later, the 1985 Bears would put together one of the greatest seasons still today in NFL history. A defense called the 46, the Monsters of the Midway. What they had in three games of sacks, a team would have in all season. That's just how relentless and ruthless these guys were. And still, I got to say this again because I witnessed that, still today there has been nobody that has broken their records. They still stand today. And Buddy Ryan, last year, he wrote a letter he was dealing with some physical difficulty, so he had people help him out here. But he wrote a letter to those players who stood up for him 14 years earlier in 1981. And Bears players wrote a letter to keep Buddy Ryan, but Buddy Ryan wrote a letter back to them in 2015. And it says this. To my guys in 1981, many of you signed the letter to George Hallis that saved my job. Now I'm writing a letter to all of you to say thanks. I wish I could be there to say it in person, but this will have to do. Thank you for the Super Bowl champion, 1985 Chicago Bears, the greatest team in NFL history. You gave me the best memories of my coaching life. I love every one of you until the day I die. I told you just a long time ago, and it's still true. You guys will always be my heroes, Coach Buddy Ryan. The Bears' defensive players embraced Buddy. And he was a hard guy to embrace. Hard guy to embrace. They even thought he hated different nationalities. But when they understood 
that underneath all that, he was desiring for them to be great. They embraced his scheme, the 46 scheme, which was unheard of, and they embraced his tactic. But they couldn't embrace his scheme without embracing him. And when we come to Christ, we cannot embrace the church without Christ. We can't embrace a nicer community of good people. That's not what we are. We're a mess. We need to embrace Christ. We need to embrace his word and and what it stands for. And we also, in that time, become what we thought we, we can never become, and that is unified, a unit that can accomplish so much more effectively, that can bear down mountains, I say, right? We can just take down mountains because we have Christ. We have God as our coach. We have a place, a, a manual that has all the schemes that we need, right? All the plans that we need are right here. And we have each other. We have each other. How much more, church, can we do if a defensive team that plays football can mark history? How much more can we do something for Christ? How much more can he do something through us as a whole? Not just individually, but as a whole. So much more. So much more. Let's stand and pray. Amen. We made it, huh? Ten minutes. At this time, uh, the worship team will sing one more song. And during that time, I'll ask that anyone that's in need of prayer, we have prayer partners that are stationed in the front and some in the back. And let me, let me ask you, if, if even it's not so much prayer, but maybe you need a hug from a sister or a hug from a brother, and you just need to be reminded that God is faithful. You just need to be reminded that you're not going through this alone. God is with you. Maybe you need to be reminded that there is hope, hope in Christ. God's not through with you yet. Embrace the cross. Endure to the end. Don't give in. Encourage one another. As we continue on to bear an image of Christ, not only to each other, but to the world. And what it looks like to be unified, no matter our backgrounds, our social status, our geographical positioning, we are all in one place that is at the foot of the cross. And there we embrace each other. I'd like to pray right now if you would bow your heads, please. Let me say to that as you're there bowing your head that you know that God doesn't love a better you, right? Sometimes we think that maybe there's a better us that God is going to love. Like, oh, I'm not finished. I'm not done yet. And so, so maybe God doesn't love me completely yet. But once I get there, once I, I learn how to, how to, how to love and, and to serve and, and to exhort my kids and love my wife, you know, God's going to love me more. Once I learn to stop falling on my face and stop sinning against God, well, he's going to love me more then. 
Right now, he's not really happy with me, and he's shunning his face upon me. And he doesn't, you know, there's a disconnect between me and God, and, and, and I understand that. That's okay. Maybe later, God. Maybe later we'll connect again. Maybe later it'll be the way it was before. Let me tell you that God loves you right where you're at right now. He loves your mess, and you're always going to be messy. But he loves you right where you're at right now. There is no better you, no greater you. It's who you are now that you find greatness in him and him alone, identity in him alone, power in him alone, affirmation in him alone, purpose. Father, we thank you today. What an awesome time to be together as the body of Christ, embracing one another, embracing the cross, embracing the work of your spirit within us, Lord, embracing uh, the declarations of who you are and, and the fact that, Lord, you are the rock and you don't move. Father, in a time where everything you put your eyes on discourages and takes away the strength of joy, Father, we fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on the finished cross. We fix our eyes on the work to be done and the fact that, Lord, in Scripture, you are with us. Yet while we were still sinners, you met us where we were at. And right now, we're still in a place of desperation. Father, thank you that you are the very essence of grace and mercy. That you're patient with us. And that you can restore us. You can bring back the, the season of life that has been just a roller coaster. We feel like we're in a parchment land right now, Lord, a season where there is extreme heat. And we're just desiring for the spring, for the fall, for the change of color, for the change of climate, to put rest to our souls. Father, we ask you that we may be the church, we may be the people of God that live this out, and that we take this as a personal mission to go out of our way to help one another, to go out of our way to embrace, to encourage, and to help each other endure through the season that we're all in. All because of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.